Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. We are going to continue in our study through the book of Proverbs. And the last time we left off at chapter 18, so tonight we'll start in chapter 19. Continuing in this group of Proverbs from chapters 10 to 22 that have been pretty much agreed upon by Bible scholars as these are Solomon's Proverbs. They're compiled together in this book. But look what it says in 1 Kings 4. Speaking of Solomon's wisdom, it says in verse 30, Thus Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the men of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all men, than Ethan the Ezrahite, than Heman, Chalcol, and Darda, the sons of Mahal, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. And he spoke of trees from the cedar tree of Lebanon even to the hyssop that springs out of the wall. He spoke also of animals, of birds, of creeping things, and of fish. And men of all nations from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Boy, he had quite a reputation. I mean, not only did he speak wisdom with regard to the things of the Lord, but he also knew, sounds like he knew biology and botany, and he was just a very wise, very knowledgeable man. And you know, when uh, God asked Solomon, um, you know, ask for anything you'd like, and Solomon asked for wisdom and not riches, God was well pleased with that. You know, and remember what happened there God not only gave him more knowledge and wisdom than any man who had ever lived at the time, but he also gave him the wealth and all of the other possessions that made him not only the wisest man in his day, but also the wealthiest man. So, you know, we, we need to be seeking the Lord for, you know, we have to prioritize our lives so that we seek the Lord for wisdom. And then, you know, it says in, um, in the New Testament... To, to seek God and his righteousness and everything else will, will be added to us. All of our needs, God will take care of if we seek him first. And, you know, that's what Solomon did. Now, Solomon, a lot of times, didn't even take his, his own advice because his life was full of, of ups and downs and his life was sometimes uh, marred by sin, certainly, and separation from God in many of the times of his life. So he didn't necessarily heed his own wisdom, but he still recorded it here so that we can learn from it. Now think about the fact that he wrote over 3,000 Proverbs, and we only have a grouping of maybe, uh, maybe 20 or so that are attributed to him. And he also wrote over 1,000 songs. So he was a, he was a prolific songwriter also so very wise so the things that Solomon writes in in the book of Proverbs are are things that we need to take and apply to our lives so that we can also walk wise uh, wisely in God's um, in God's world because this is this is we're out there in the world and we we have choices to make every single day and we need godly wisdom in order to do that so very practical, the book of Proverbs. So we're going to jump in in, chap in chapter 19, verse 1. And it says, Better is the poor who walks in, in his in integrity than one who is perverse in his lips and is a fool. So here, we, right off the bat, we see priorities. The, the qualities of honesty, truthfulness, and reliability are more of more value than all of the wealth that you can have. You know, someone who rejects godly wisdom and speaks in a twisted or distorted way 
He may have all the money in the world, but, he, but he'll have no integrity. So God is always challenging us as believers to reevaluate our priorities, to make sure that we're focusing on the right things in our life. Verse 2, also it is not good for a soul to be without knowledge, and he, who, he sins who hastens with his feet. So here Solomon is advising against making hasty decisions without seeking God first or without seeking good godly counsel. You know, a lot of times we make a rash decision without getting all the facts. And how many times does it wind us up in trouble? Because we really didn't think through all the way. And so this is just good advice to seek counsel, seek the Lord in prayer, you know, before you make those rash decisions. The foolishness of a man twists his way and his heart frets against the Lord. You know, of course, in the, in the original language, it's, sometimes it's hard. It doesn't translate very well to the English. But this is somebody who blames God for his troubles instead of taking responsibility for his own actions. How many times have we done that? I'll put my hand up. You don't have to. But sometimes we just, you know, we don't want to admit when we mess up and we pass the blame off either to someone else or in this case, blame God. You know, the children of Israel did that so many times throughout, you know, their, you know, like their wanderings through the, through the desert. And then in their early stages of, of their existence, they, they blamed the Lord a lot of times for the calamity that came upon them. But, you know, God is gracious and he doesn't want to discipline but if it's necessary, he will. In Isaiah 8.21, it says, They will pass through, the hard, pass through it hard-pressed and hungry, and it shall happen when they are hungry that they will be enraged and curse their king and their God and look upward. So they're going to blame God. They're going to curse God for their hunger and their poverty, and meanwhile, it was of their own making. So just, you know... Understand where we have our own responsibility in some of, sometimes some of the things that we get ourselves into. Verse 4, wealth makes many friends, but the poor is separated from his friend. So, you know, that's just speaking of the sort of the, the human condition, you know, sort of the tendency of man that if you have wealth, people always want to be your friend, right? Um, even... If a poor person uh, has many friends, eventually, because of just our sin nature, we'll get kind of get tired of hearing them, you know, complain or uh, or speak of their poverty. So, I think what this verse is saying here is that we shouldn't allow our own prejudices to affect how we treat other people, no matter no matter whether they have wealth or they don't have wealth. You know, God places people in our path for a reason. And so we need to not look at them, you know, according to their economic status or, or anything else, but look at them as, as a child of God and someone God's put in our path, someone maybe he wants us to speak to about him. And so we need to kind of get rid of all those preconceived notions about people. Um, sometimes we look at people and we see how they look, how they're dressed or, or whatever, and, and we need to, God's placed them in our path for a reason. So we can't, um, we can't be prejudiced when it comes to that. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies will not escape. So God will, will judge rightly, and he requires justice and equity in how we tr handle the truth too. You know, a lot of, the Old Testament laws speak about giving false testimony, speak against that. In Deuteronomy 19, it says in verse 18 and 19, And the judges shall make careful inquiry. And indeed, if the witness is a false witness who has testified falsely against his brother, then you shall do to him as he thought to have done to his brother. So shall you, so shall you put away the evil from among you. So, you know, God's, God tells the judges to, you know, judge things fairly. Look at all sides and then 
determine, have that wisdom to determine, is this person telling the truth or not? You know, sometimes on those uh, TV court shows, um, uh, you know, the judge will just, will hear both sides of the story and they'll just know. Somebody's not telling them the truth and they'll make the decision just based on that because that wisdom that they were given. So God wants that. He requires that. You know, in Matthew 19, Jesus speaks about the sin of false witness. You know, he says in verse 19 of verse 15, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. So he speaks that, you know, that, that's included in that group of sins that will bring a, a disrespect on somebody. Uh, verse 6, many entreat the favor of, of the nobility, and every man is a friend to one who gives gifts. Now, the last time we looked at the Proverbs, we saw that word gift really means bribe. So we have to look at it in, the, in, the, in that context. So, sure, uh, you'll be a friend to someone who bribes you or gives you a gift, um, a man can buy the favor of a dignitary or a high political official if he has enough money, enough to bribe him with. But, uh, you know, I think the admonition here is that the rulers should aspire to serve their constituents, not to make a profit, you know, not to do it at the expense of the people that they're supposed to be serving. So you can, you can make the connection to today's politics if you'd like. All of the brothers, verse 7, all of the brothers of the poor hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He may pursue them with words, yet they abandon him. So again, this is, this is, these are people who, you know, prejudge someone because they, they're not wealthy, you know, and they leave them abandoned. And even though he may pursue them and want their friendship and want their companionship, People will look and they'll say, well, he has nothing that he can give me, so I'm just going to move on. So it's, it's pretty much the same as verse 4, but it's just expounded a little bit more. Verse 8, he who gets wisdom loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will find good. So if you desire to grow as a person, you should also desire to gain godly wisdom. It will sustain you in this walk and it will benefit you if you seek after wisdom it's good for you a false witness verse 9 will not go unpunished and he who speaks lies shall perish so this is almost the same as verse 5 luxury is not fitting for a fool much less for a servant to rule over princes so this is speaking here about someone who doesn't have much wisdom in managing their finances or their affairs, and eventually their wealth will disappear. They just, you know, they're just fools. They don't, they don't know what to do with, with what they've been given. And whether it's a lot or it's a little, we need to be wise in what God's given to us. So it's the same thing for a person without wisdom um, or experience to rule over someone who's responsible and successful. You wouldn't see that. You know, you wouldn't see that, uh, that person ruling over another. So it just speaks, speaks of the suitability of people, maybe to a particular profession, someone's aptitude in a specific field, or maybe a gift that you've, you're given of administration, you know, and recognizing your strengths and your weaknesses. You know, within, whether it's within a church or within a corporate situation, you know, recognize the gifts you've been given and, and use them and be appropriate in where you use them. Verse 11, The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. So that just speaks of grace. really does. It speaks of being gracious to people. You know, James writes in, in chapter 1, uh, verse 19, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. So it's commendable, you know, to give people grace. 
and not act too hastily or out of anger. You know, we can probably get aggravated over something every day, but we, sh we wouldn't really be a very nice person to be around if that was our demeanor. So it just speaks of, you know, just being gracious, you know, to people. Verse 12, the king's wrath is like the roaring of a lion, but his favor is like dew on the grass. So this speaks about submitting ourselves to the government authorities. You know, the Bible gives clear instruction on the role of citizens and the responsibility of a citizen to the government. You know, if we desire law and order, there are some conditions, you know, that we need to live by. If we want anarchy and lawlessness, then we can all just do whatever we please, but that wouldn't really be a very nice world to live in. And historically, it's never gone well. So, you know, there's a few, few uh, different uh, examples in the New Testament, Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2, um, verses 13 through 15 speak about this. Submitting yourselves, uh, Peter writes, therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake whether to the king as supreme or to governors or to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. So this is the will of God, you know, that we submit ourselves to government, you know, and there's, that there's law and order. So being obedient to those things will, will make a, a better society. It really will. A foolish son, verse 13, is the ruin of his father. And the contentions of our wife are a continual dripping. I think, I, th I thought immediately of what they call the Chinese water torture, right? You know, where victims are strapped down so they can't move. And then water is just dripped slowly on a small area of the body. Usually it's on the forehead. It just keeps dripping and dripping and dripping. And eventually... If it's, if it's done long enough, you can actually go mad because you just, you're anticipating that drip and maybe it's uneven. Maybe you start, people actually start to think that it's going to start to put a hole in their, in their head. They get crazy because of it. So I just think about that when I think about that verse, the contentions of a wife and the, and the foolish son. You know, it's like a continual dripping. You know, a man can get really destroyed by children or a wife who are not seeking what's best for the family. You know, and I think it can go the other way too. You know, a man who's just seeking his own and not seeking what's best for the family can also have that effect on his family and on his wife. So understand the devastating effects that kind of home environment, you know, can have on a person and, uh, and desire not, not to do that. Houses and riches, verse 14, are an inheritance from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. So the, the blessings that we receive from God, you know, the best things are those things that we receive from him, not necessarily those inheritances, those things that are passed on from, uh, from the family estate, so to speak, to, down to us. We may think that those are the greatest things that we could receive in this life, but really the things that the Lord gives us are the best things. And, you know, for, for a man who finds, uh, you know, a good wife, there are several times in the scriptures that speak of the blessing that that relationship is. Verse 15, laziness casts, one's into a, casts one into a deep sleep and an idle person will suffer hunger. This is pretty self-explanatory. You know, you know, it just says that you know, hard work produces good results, contributes to a, a healthy work ethic, you know, that belief that, that, that there's a moral benefit and that there's an importance of working hard and that It'll strengthen your character. And so, you know, the Bible is very practical. You know, it just speaks that, you know, that's a good thing. So laziness, on the other hand, it'll kind of, it'll make you even lazier. You continue in that. But hard work, you know, that'll make you a stronger person. He who keeps the commandments keeps his soul. 
but he who is careless of his ways will die. So speaking here of the obedience to God's law, you know, his, uh, just the obedience to his word. And, you know, we may think that we know what's best, you know, but God always has uh, the best plan for our lives. And so we need to be obedient to that. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord and he will pay back what he has given. So the Bible has a lot to say about charity and about helping those who are in need, who are less privileged than we, we might be. But we have to be careful not to do it for the motivation of getting something back from the Lord. It says here that God will pay back what he has given, what you give in charity. And there's a lot of ministries out there that sort of, that will, that will take a verse like this and they'll sort of twist it and say, you know, the more you give, the more God will pay you back and that should be the motivation for giving more. And, and that's not what we see throughout the entirety of the Scriptures. We need to give because, because it's a desire that, that God's put in our hearts. There are people that are less fortunate, people that are more needy than we are. And out of the goodness of our heart and glorifying to God, we give. And then if God repays then give him all the glory. But if our motives are pure, you know, God will, will provide all of our needs. So we need to re- remain pure in our motives. Verse 18, chasten your son while there is hope and do not set your heart on his destruction. So parents with, uh, with children that you still have an influence over, uh, this is an encouragement to train up your child early in the ways of the Lord and instruct them while they're still sort of under your authority. You know, once they become older, um, they'll start to make decisions on their own and, and choices based on how they were brought up. And, and hopefully, in those younger years, you've given them wisdom, godly wisdom, to make those decisions and that they can navigate this world because it's difficult out there. You know, we... we we also want to discipline them, but we don't want to destroy them. You know, so there's that balance there. You know, to train them and to discipline them, but for the purpose of, of causing them to become fruitful and productive in society. Uh, verse 19, a man of great wrath will suffer punishment, for if you rescue him, you will have to do it again. So this... this gives us sort of the balance between helping someone out, giving them a hand, and, then, and, and the balance between that and enabling them to kind of remain in that same place. You know, we can help someone to the point where they just, uh, they just decide that they're not going to do anything on their own. You know, but we need to know the balance there of saying, okay, I'm going to give you a, a, a hand here, but I also expect you to be responsible to start to move toward independence because honestly, we, nobody wants to be dependent on any, anyone else. So we need to know the wisdom there. So I love the, what it says there. If you rescue him, you'll have to do it again because you won't learn if you give too much. You know, Matthew 7, 6, in, in uh, part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and, tear and turn and tear you into pieces. So that speaks about discernment, you know, in dealing with people, whether it's spreading the gospel, which is that, you know, that holy word that we have to give to others, or just giving of charity or helping people out. You know, the person needs to be willing to receive it. You know, that's part of how we interact with people, you know, for the Lord, that they're willing to receive it. So um, it's, it also speaks in Acts 19, verse 8, speaking of, you know, when the Apostle Paul was going out and they were ministering to the people and the disciples were with them and they would maybe run into some people who were really hard of heart and didn't want to hear, didn't want to receive the word, and he goes and he, and he says in, in verse 8 and 9 of Acts 19, And he went into the synagogue, speaking of Paul, and spoke boldly for three months, 
reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. So this is where discernment comes in. This is where godly wisdom comes in. You know, he, he preached to them for three months and some of them still ridiculed the Lord, still ridiculed his teaching. And so you get to a point where you understand that person just doesn't want to receive the things of the Lord. And so you move on because God will have another work for you somewhere else. Verse 20, listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. So we should be gaining as much wisdom as we can early on in our life. So when we get older, you know, we'll have that wisdom. We'll be able to impart to others. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. So our plans may sound good to us, but we must test them against God's will for our lives. You know, it's similar to Proverbs 16:9, where, where Solomon writes, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. You know, and that should be really where we're at with our walk. Verse 22, when is, when, what is desired in a man is kindness, and a poor man is better than a liar. So again, this speaks about priorities in our life. What's more important, integrity or wealth? And of course, integrity is, is always more important. Kindness to others should be a priority. The fear of the Lord leads to life. And he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. So the fear of God, you know, that reverence for God and his word, it's always linked with wisdom. You know, if we're wise to learn to give God the glory and reverence him and honor him, we will be, we will be wise in this world. A lazy man buries his head in the bowl and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. Now that's lazy. You know, he'll just bury his head in the bowl and he won't even pick up his hand and put the food in his mouth. So nothing really more needs to be said about that verse. Strike a scoffer and the simple will become wary. Rebuke one who has understanding and he will discern knowledge. So this speaks about three different groups of people here. The scoffer, who's kind of the mocker, somebody who will mock wisdom or mock the things of God, this, this person needs to be rebuked because he mocks wisdom. So, you know, there needs to be, if you have a relationship with somebody who's always constantly mocking the things of God, you know, you, the, the wisdom here is that you should rebuke him, you know, and tell him, listen, these are things of God, you know, and see if he'll listen. He probably won't, but you, you know, you're wise to try to get him to understand. And then it speaks about the simple or the foolish person who may witness that exchange, that relationship, the rebuke, and in his heart he'll receive that warning, you know, about being foolish himself. And then it speaks about the better of the three, the three groups of people, and that's a person of understanding. That's a person who wants knowledge, who will learn from instruction who will learn from rebuke or correction and that's a place we need to be we need to be teachable you know by others in this world and and by the lord if if he's correcting us he who mistreats his father and chases away his mother is a son who causes shame and brings reproach cease listening to instruction my son and you will stray from the words of knowledge. So this, the, both these verses speak about a disobedient child and the effect that that can have on their parents. And, you know, you know it goes completely against the commandment that says honor your father and your mother, you know. And so here we see, we always see Scripture just confirming Scripture. And that's what I love about the Bible. You know, so we see this verse and we see that the, the, the effects of a disobedient child on his parents can be devastating. A, disre, a disreputable witness scorns justice, 
and the mouth of the wicked devours iniquity. So justice isn't served if a witness is willing to commit perjury. We know that. So God, God here is continuing to give us just practical wisdom for just the everyday things that we see, that we experience, and that we're a part of. Judgments are prepared for the scoffers and beatings for the backs of fools. So this speaks about God's judgment against those who will disregard his word. Those, those people who reject his son Jesus, who reject the wisdom of the scriptures, God will judge. So we don't have to judge them, but God will. He'll be faithful to do that. Um, moving on to Proverbs chapter 20. In verse 1, wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. So this verse just confirms what's mentioned several times in the scriptures about drunkenness. You know, um, I, I would include there, uh, you know, drug abuse. Uh, anything that kind of puts us in a, in a state of, uh, you know, that we're out of control, puts us in a state where, the, uh, where our senses are dulled and we can't think straight, you know, and the results that come from that. You know, God expects us to have all our faculties together working through this life and th so that we don't go through life impaired in our thinking. You know, how else will we, will we be able to recognize and yield to the Spirit of God? You know, it says in Ephesians 5.18, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. So, you know, he tells us there that we need to be in our right mind. We need to have self-control, which is, which is one of the fruits of the Spirit in everything that we do. So we're talking here about, about drunkenness, about not being in control of our faculties. You know, First uh, Corinthians kind of puts this in context of, uh, you know, against the legalist, who, you know, who will say, you know, you're not allowed to drink or whatever. But, you know, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, and he speaks about that balance and seeking the Lord in those things. He says, all things are lawful for me, Paul writes, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will, be, I will not be brought under the power of any. Is that drink bringing you under its power? Or are you still in control? We don't want alcohol or drugs to be that taskmaster that we're enslaved to. You know, we want to have all of our faculties be able to think straight. So if, if you need to refrain from that completely because you know you won't be under control, then refrain from it. I would suggest refraining from it. The wrath, the wrath of a king is like a roaring of a lion. Whoever provokes him to anger sins against his own life. So, again, this speaks about obedience to authority, you know, in, this, in our culture. You know, God has placed and he's allowed leaders for the purpose of law and order. And although we may not always agree, you know, we, we it would be wise for us to comply with the authorities. It is honorable for a man to stop striving since any fool can start a quarrel. So this is just advice not to be the one who's always starting an argument. You know, there's some people who just love to start arguments and contentions. You know, it's wise to refrain from that. You know, Jesus said the, uh, says the opposite in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 9. says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. I'd rather be called a peacemaker and a son of God than, than a, a fool and a, and, a, and a person who's always striving and contending with others. The lazy man will not plow because of winter. He will beg during harvest and have nothing. So again, speaking about laziness and the, and the ill effects of laziness, it'll just produce poverty, you know, uh, not only monetarily, but also poverty of character. So we see that, you know, that hard work will build the character of a person. Counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. So, you know, if you're, if you, if you're in a counseling relationship with someone else, maybe you're giving 
counsel to someone. You know, and as believers who, who know the word and know the Lord, there are people that come in our life that we want to minister to and we want to give good counsel to. So what he's saying here is, is a wise person will kind of draw out the intentions that are in a, another person's heart. You know, a good counselor won't tell a person what they need to do. A good counselor, counselor will kind of lead them to the place where they, they figure it out for themselves. And, you know, how much more does that really then set a change in the person's life? Because it wasn't something that you told them to do. It was something that they kind of realized on their own. And that's what he's saying here. You know, our intentions are deep. It takes a wise person to draw them out so that we can grow in our relationship with God and with others. Verse 6 and 7, Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? The righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. So common here for people to brag about themselves. We know that. We see that in this world. But when someone gives the glory to God, for all the good things that are happening in his life, that's the sign of a faithful person. That's really the sign of, of wisdom. And so wisdom and faithfulness and integrity all go together in those verses. A king who sits on the throne of judgment scatters all evil with his eyes. So this here speaks of the prudent leader or the prudent judge who can sift through all the evidence of a case and come up with the correct verdict. You know, Solomon possessed that wisdom, didn't he? You know, we see many times throughout the scriptures where Solomon had that, just that special wisdom and discernment to judge between right and wrong. You know, you remember the, the story in First Kings that speaks about that you know, that judgment that Solomon made between the, between the, two, um, the two mothers, the two women who both claimed that the child was theirs that, um, th that was killed. You know, and so Solomon was able to discern between the two and actually pull out, draw out the truth from that situation. We need to, we need to be doing that. And we need to pray that our leaders and our courts do that also so that tr the truth ultimately wins out. Who can say, I have made my heart clean? I am pure from my sin. So this is basically saying no one's without sin and no one can make himself clean on his own, clean from sin on his own. Forgiveness and cleansing of sin come from God and they come through, through confession, through repentance, and through God's forgiveness. A very common verse in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We can't do that on our own. We need to depend on the Lord for that. Diverse weights and diverse measures, they are both alike an abomination to the Lord. So this is unequal weights or someone who's not fair and honest in their business dealings. You know, the Proverbs speak about that a lot. You know, especially, you know, a businessman who's not just not dealing fairly with people. You know, they would go to the market and they would, they would not give a fair weight of, of produce for what somebody would be paying for. And God, uh, God uh, thinks that's an abomination. And even a child is known by his deeds, verse 11, whether what he does is pure and right. So your actions will define what kind of person you are. We know that. You know, and as a young person, you're kind of building your character resume as a young person so that people around you will see what kind of person you are. You know, I, I, think, about, I think about some of the things young people post on social media and then it kind of comes back years later and bites them. You know, they go for a job interview or they go for a, a loan and, and, you know, now, now they're checking social media to see what gets posted. You know, and those, those deeds, you know, uh, will kind of define you. And then you have to try to overcome that. So, you know, that's just a, 
you know, a warning to be careful about that, that, you know, those things will come out. The hearing, he, the, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. So, you know, listen, God has given us these bodies, our senses, our eyes, our ears, you know, to be used wisely for his glory. So I think what this is telling us is that we should see and hear those things that God wants that are pleasing to him and that are beneficial to us in our walk. Do not love sleep lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will be satisfied with bread. So this again speaks about the tragic results of laziness. So just, you know, you're going to sleep the day away. Guess what? You're not, gonna, you're not even going to be able to eat. You're not going to earn any money. So that's practical stuff. It's good for nothing, cries the buyer. But when he has gone his way, then he boasts. <laughs> you know, in this world of eBay and, and, uh, and Craigslist and everything, you know, sometimes you may sell something, you know, and they have a lot of local sites now that you can sell something, you know, or, or purchase something. This speaks about somebody who's going and buying something and then looking at it and said, ah, oh, that stinks or that's no good. I, I won't give you anything for it. And then really knowing in his heart that it's worth more and then goes away and boasts about it to other people. I mean, you just, you know, warning about dishonest businessmen, but also a dishonest buyer, you know, from that side of it. So honesty needs to go both ways. There is gold and a multitude of rubies, but the lips of knowledge are precious jewels. So again, the priority of wisdom and knowledge over monetary wealth. Give Give wisdom the value it deserves, God's saying. Verse 16 and 17, Take the garment of one who's surety for a stranger and hold it as a pledge when it is for a seductress. Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be filled with gravel. So this speaks about the wisdom we need to lend or borrow money, you know, and... You know, the, uh, back then in, in, the, in the Old Testament, the law provided that someone could give a garment as sort of security deposit for a loan, but then it would have to be returned to that person at sundown. So it speaks about, you know, I, I like that. That's practical. In other words, you know, I'm going to give you my coat, but I'm going to need it later on because it's going to get cold, so you'll give it back to me as, you know, it's just the way that it was exchanged back then. But an unwise person will kind of give his coat to a stranger and never get it back. So just be careful. Be wise and prudent in your business dealings and, um, you know, and, you know, seek God, you know, in all things. Verse 18, plans are established by counsel. By wise counsel, wage war. So this tells us not to be afraid uh, not to be embarrassed about seeking counsel. Um, I think it's a good thing. I think we need to get to a place in our walk, uh, no matter how far along in our life we are, that we can go to others. And we, c- we know that we can gain wisdom from, from others and those who have, who have maybe experienced things before or have uh, you know, a walk with the Lord. And especially with the difficult decisions of life, and I like what it says here, the second part of that verse about by wise counsel wage war. You know, our leaders need to, you know, always be thoughtful and careful and to be in counsel before they, you know, go to war. Obviously, it should be a last resort. So don't be hasty in those very important decisions in your life. You know, and it speaks about us as individuals and, and also as, as our leaders. He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. So this is speaking about avoiding the gossiper. You know, and we all know one so or more. So we should be wise to avoid those people. They'll only bring you down. And so we shouldn't, we shouldn't want to associate with that kind of person. Whoever curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in deep darkness. So again, 
the consequences of someone who doesn't honor their, their parents. An inheritance gained hastily at the beginning will not be blessed at the end. So, you know, this refers to either dishonest or forceful means of obtaining an early inheritance. You know, an inheritance was meant to be received, you know, after the, you know, after the, the father dies, he passes the inheritance, the, the inheritance is passed on to the sons. But this speaks about someone who's, you know, kind of forcing his father's hand to get an early inheritance and that it's, at the end, he won't have it. You know, definitely reminds us of the story of the prodigal, right? In Luke 15, verse, verse 11 to 14, we know that story. A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of the goods that falls to me. So he divided, them to, his, divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. So you see, he kind of forced his father's hand, and his father was gracious and gave him that early inheritance, but look what happened. It didn't last, and then he found himself in a really bad spot because of that. So just the wisdom. Uh, verse 22, do not say, I will recompense evil. Wait for the Lord and he will save you. So this speaks about waiting on the Lord for judgment. Don't take matters into your own hands. You know, even if you may be right in that because someone has done something evil against you, wait on the Lord. Allow him to avenge that. You know, it says in Romans 12:19, "Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it, it is written, vengeance is mine." I will repay, says the Lord. So give God the opportunity to, uh, to do that. Don't, don't take matters into your own hands. Again, diverse weights are an abomination to the Lord, verse 23. And dishonored scales are not good, same as verse 10. A man's steps are of the Lord. How then can a man understand his way? So this speaks about walking in faith. You know, walking in faith, not, not in sight. You know, we may not fully understand God's plan for us, you know, because his ways are higher than our ways. And he doesn't necessarily reveal his plan in its completion to us. We need to walk in faith. We need to seek him step by step. I think of Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So this just speaks of God step by step leading and guiding us through this, through this life. You know, we may not understand where he's, where he's bringing us, but we need to, be, we need to uh, be faithful to follow his ways. It is a snare for a man to devote rashly something as holy and afterward to reconsider his vows. So this is not rushing into, you know, devoting something to God and then having to take it back because we were too hasty in, in, in doing that. Prayerfully consider what God may be asking of you or asking you to offer him, whether it's your time, your, your, your gifts, you know, your, your money, and, and do it with prayer and consider, consider it ahead of time so that you don't have to go back and maybe take something back or say, you know, I overcommitted in this way. I can't, I, you know, I can't do what I had promised to do. That, you know, he's saying here, consider it first. A wise king sifts out the wicked and brings the threshing wheel over them. So that should be our prayer, you know, especially in this election season that we have wise rulers who will be able to discern between good and evil and take action against evil against the wickedness that's in this world. You know, I think about, you know, I immediately thought of Ronald Reagan and that, that speech that he gave, the evil empire speech as it came to be known, you know, where he pointed out communism and, 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 it's, and the, the, you know, he focused on communism and it's the f he says it's the focus of evil in the modern world. He wasn't afraid 
to point out as a leader those things in this world that are wicked. And I, we need to be praying for leaders who will be bold enough to do that. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. So speaking here of the spirit or the conscience of a man and that it represents really what's deep inside a person's heart. And it reveals the true person, the morality and the integrity of who that person really is. Mercy and truth preserve the king, and by loving kindness, he upholds his, his throne. So the best leaders are certainly strong leaders, committed leaders, but yet they're merciful, they're truthful, and they're kind. You know, to find a leader who has all of those qualities, it's a, really a, it's a rare thing. But Solomon writes here that, that that's really the, the, uh, the, would be the best leader if you could find someone who has all those characteristics. The glory of the young men is their strength and the splendor of the old men is their gray head. So it just speaks about wisdom. As we get older, we should be getting wiser. We shouldn't be getting stupider. <laughs> we should be gaining wisdom as we get older so that our gray hairs actually you know, mean something. Uh, the last verse, blows that hurt cleanse away evil, and as do stripes the inner depths of the heart. So this is speaking of here, stern discipline. And sometimes, you know, listen, we need that sometimes in our own lives. We just need, a we need our, our wills, our stubbornness sometimes to be broken, our hard-headedness, our hard-heartedness to be broken. And this just speaks about, you know, getting down to the real depths of someone's heart and knowing that brokenness leads to a, a stronger and a deeper relationship with the Lord. It's really the beginning of true discipleship. And, um, and after we're broken, we can have that lasting effect of personal revival in our lives. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.